lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we are continuing our coverage of WrestleMania week. Yes, we are a few days removed from four days of nearly non-stop pro wrestling, culminating in the final night of WrestleMania 38, but today, on this episode, we're talking about Effie's Big Gay Brunch, what truly, really feels like the main event of the weekend for this podcast specifically. So many outstanding LGBTQ pro wrestlers uh, and talents all throughout the pro wrestling world featured on this show down in Dallas on Saturday. Outstanding performances from so many a, a amazing amount of debuts, a real international flair to the show for the first time as travel restrictions were loosened um, as we continue to move through the pandemic here. Just an all-around outstanding show, and I am really pleased to welcome uh, Divine Diana Ramsey to the show to talk about this uh, event and everything that unfolded there. Um, obviously, this event holds a special place in my heart, as well as uh, I would think the, the greater uh, queer pro wrestling world's heart, um, not just because of the, the people that it featured and the stories that it told and the moments that it created, but also because of what it really signified, considering the setting and the circumstances around uh, it being present in Dallas and, and everything around it going on right now in that state. Um, truly a, uh, a statement piece in the form of a two-and-a-half-hour pro wrestling show that lived up to the the Big Gay Brunch name, to be fair. Uh, we'll get into that more here in just a second with, uh, with Diana. But before we do, I just want to remind everybody, we have multiple episodes coming out this week covering uh, events from WrestleMania week. Obviously, uh, today we had the Big Gay Brunch episode, but also we released our WrestleMania 38 night number one show, uh, with Patches Chance from Let Them Wrestle. That is up right now for you to go listen to. So once you get done, listen to me and Diana get all kinds of queer on this show. <laughs> go listen to me and Patches get all kinds of queer while talking about non-queer wrestling um, on WrestleMania Night 1. Tomorrow, we will have WrestleMania Night number 2 covered by myself and uh, Darnell Mitchell, who you may know as the one of the voices of Wrestler's Lab. Um, and also, uh, we will have a episode talking all about GCW for the culture, uh, featuring my uh, lovely fiance KC coming on the show. We always watch for the culture together. We always, I always like to have them on to talk about for the culture um, because uh, I don't know they have an interesting perspective on pro wrestling, and I'm always curious to hear their thoughts about stuff, especially when it comes to the uh, iconic main event of that show with Billy Dixon and Hoodfoot, the first ever all-black deathmatch in pro wrestling history. Uh, trust me, I'll, I have some words about that match to say, <laughs> for sure. Um, one more bit of housekeeping, though, before we get to the Big Gay Brunch discussion. Uh, I also would like to uh, say that the uh, top 25 list, the top 25 LGBTQ matches from WrestleMania Week list, will go up on Outsports on Friday. Um, and if you've listened to the WrestleMania episode already, you probably know that uh, I said there 
this was probably the hardest uh it's definitely the hardest of these of these lists that i've had to do just because there was so much to choose from that was just off the charts good so uh, you'll get to see more of what i enjoyed from uh, from the week on that list on friday uh so thank you so much for being patient as i <laughs> worked through the backlog of stuff that i hadn't seen yet and just recouped from uh a truly outstanding uh weekend of pro wrestling um which of course leads us to the big gay brunch so let's just jump into that conversation me and, and diana ramsey talking all about effie and crew making texas a whole lot gayer and a whole lot queerer what's up guys gals and non-binary pals welcome back to lgbt in the ring and of course it's post mania week we have a slew of shows talking about a number of events, but let's be real. We're all about queer wrestling here, and there's only one main event from this week when, that involving queer wrestling, honestly. Effie's Big Gay Brunch. We have to talk about Big Gay Brunch Dallas, and doing that here with me today, someone brand new to the podcast trying to get their foot into the pro wrestling journalism world. Please welcome Divine Diana Ramsey to the show how are you doing diana i am doing very very well let me just say that to be here there's adrenaline in my soul ah uh. <laughs> that was my that was my one that was my one that's all right you, you can have as many as you want honestly i mean we're at that meme wasn't beaten into the ground over the weekend we just need to keep pushing it just keep <sighs> pushing it further into the dirt i love it no, I'm actually, I'm very excited to be here. And I want to say thank you. Just like I've said it, like, you know, in private and messages, but just officially on the, on the LGBT podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This means a lot to me and getting on here to come talk about just the wrestling and especially Effie's big gay brunch in Dallas is truly an honor. So thank you. No, I I'm very happy to have you on. Like I said, um, before we started recording, like one of the main things that I've wanted to do since like, I've kind of like carved out my small little place in wrestling media for for voices is to continue to bring in more and and make sure that our population continues to grow and thrive and so i am very very uh happy to provide this this opportunity for you uh through through the podcast so i'm excited to to chat especially considering that we're both west coast people um i'm i'm always happy to highlight some west coast folk as well Excellent. Yeah, as always, I say it's like right now it's the West Coast, best coast. <laughs> I mean, according, according to one of the matches on this show, it kind of kind of played out that way. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we get to the big gay brunch, I've been asking all of my guests this week um, because there was just so much wrestling over the past week that we're not covering on the show. Um, I have to ask, outside of uh, the big gay brunch. Uh, what else stood out to you personally from from the past weekend uh, down in Dallas? Uh, well, I guess first things first, everyone's been saying it, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it publicly, you know, just right here on the podcast. Speedball Mike Bailey Woo! over this weekend wrestled nine matches. I caught a heck of a lot of those matches. And let me just say that my, Speedball Mike Bailey's performance will be talked about for decades in professional wrestling. That's how much that meant. And it was just amazing. He just was all over the place. Um, I really I like JCW versus LA fights. I woke up on Friday and caught that one in the morning. And that was a real fun 
event. Um, I like the, uh, just the, uh, excuse me, the Dark Shake versus uh, Charles Mason match on that card. That was a very good one. There was a whole story being told with that and it finally paid off. Um, Joey Janela's Spring Break Part 2 was uh, was absolutely hilarious. It was so much fun getting to see Effie and Minoru Suzuki. But, you know, uh, out of all the good stuff on Big Gay Brunch, wow, that, you know, but Joey Janela's uh, the uh, Cluster F Battle Royal. No, you can cuss. It's the cluster okay, so, okay, so the cluster, the cluster <laughs> I just want to make sure because I no worries, you're good. <laughs> but that Cluster Fuck Battle Royal was, damn it, one of the most fun things I've seen this weekend. And it was just, it was fun to like it, like, I didn't even know, was it 3.30 in the morning out there and these wrestlers are tired and they're out there selling spots with the invisible man. And I'm like, that's just impressive. You had Edith Surreal and, you know, um, Dark Shake. It's like, you know, yeah, the day before was Trans Day of Visibility, but those two were on the mat saying it's Trans Day of Vengeance. It was just good stuff. It was a fun weekend. And um, I don't know, there was just so many things like Effie versus Speedball. Taya Valkyrie versus John Morris and Taya Valkyrie was all over the place this weekend as well. Wrestling some incredible matches. Completely agree. I, her match with Pero at uh, No Peace's Murder Mania show was uh, outstanding. Like, I love seeing Taya out of out of her element in that way and putting her into a no ring death match situation with fucking Pero of all people. Like, <laughs> it, it was just wild to see. <laughs> Pero was ever going to, we're going to talk about Pero because, you know, Effie's oh, good sure. Pero was all over the place this weekend. It's like, and just seeing him just kind of non like half-assedly like bringing a kitchen sink to try to help like, you know, Johnny, John Morrison was like, <laughs> no, nah, that's not happening. But no, it was just, it was a really, uh, mania weekends have taken on this Christmas like atmosphere. And uh, this weekend was no exception. And it's just like, I, I think it was truly, I've been saying it a lot, but anytime AEW and WWE does a pay-per-view, the indie shows and everything that spring up around it is just making for some epic weekends for wrestling fans. Oh, for sure. And I'm, I'm hoping that we see more of these, these, these kind of events pop up around the AEW pay-per-views as well. You know, obviously we saw it with All Out in Chicago last year. Um, and never know. I, there's been some teasing about something in Vegas and you know, what's coming up in Vegas. So who knows, maybe there will be more of these kind of weekends for us to enjoy. Vegas would be the optimal place for that. Yes, completely agree. Um, but yeah, like I I'm with you on the clusterfuck completely. Like that match was so diverse in everything that it presented. Like you got your, your hardcore stuff in there. You got your like actual wrestling in there. You had uh, so much humor and just off the wall ideas that leans into the, the more eccentric elements of pro wrestling. The invisible man eliminating Brett Titus is a moment that will stick in my brain for all time at, at this point. Um, and then also you got some really poignant moments as well. Like whenever you had all of the women gathering in the ring, just one by one by one, including either surreal and dark sheet with GCW, like saying like trans women are women without saying it out loud, you know, like we had those moments there as well. And it was just, I don't know, like that whole match was amazing to see. Uh, not to mention the fact that Joey Janela getting on the mic and saying <laughs> my AEW contract has expired. I spoke <laughs> with all of you and run into the ring and get into the fucking, <laughs> the fucking oh. blood circle. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Joey Janela is I, I gotta admit, like a few years ago, like, you know, I really got familiar with Gino Joey Janela. And the first time I saw him, I was like, what is this? Is this whole gimmick a trash bag? Is that what he is? And 
But then I got instantly into Joey Janela and he's, he's, I don't know. I've never met Joey Janela, but he seems like he'd be that crazy fun friend to have. It's like, oh man, Joey's got the fireworks this weekend. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> no, for, for sure. And like, there are definitely things to criticize Joey Janela for, but like, there's just something about the way that he approaches pro wrestling that is super, super interesting to me and so many other people. Um, I really enjoy it. He seems to at least like, you know, anything, you know, people make mistakes and that's the thing, but he at least seems to learn and grow from the things that he does. And that's uh, the most sometimes we can ask, you know, it's like, except with like just throwing people straight on the, sometimes some people got to be thrown on the garbage bin, but you know, Joey Danella can stay yeah. in the blunt circle. <laughs> yes. He can stay in the blunt circle. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, let's talk about Effie's big gay brunch down in Dallas. Um, we got a number of matches, a number of returning faces, a number of new faces as well. A real international flair to this year's show, um, especially as more of the travel restrictions have fallen by the wayside now, even though we are still in a pandemic. I always like to remind people about that. I don't like this idea of we're post-pandemic. But um, it was really nice to see that a lot of the names that were, or a number of the names that were going to be on the original Big Game Brunch that was announced way back for 2020 before everything shut down um made their way onto this show um obviously we're still waiting for candy lee and benny to make their way to the big game brunch stage but i'm sure those will happen at some point but you had people like silvio milano and shay purser uh carlos romo pipinella escarlata like it it really felt like this this event was continues to branch out in a really fun and interesting way and in showcasing LGBTQ identities from not just North America um, or the U.S. rather, but from all of North America and beyond. Um, talk to me a bit about your feelings heading into this show. Like, Where were you at excitement-wise? Was there any match that stood out to you before the, everything got underway or that you were looking forward to whenever they were announced? Uh, you know, I was very hyped for Effie's Big Gay Brunch because I, I will admit, like about a year and a half ago, I didn't even, I truly didn't know Big Gay Brunch existed. I really didn't. And then when I found out this site, it was just like I had to just catch up on all of it and realize this is, this is representation. This is super gay. And I, and I love this. And um, so this year, I guess it's like I was really looking forward to because it's just around, once again, around Mania weekend. That's, that's just a feeling. And it was going to be in Dallas. And I knew Yes, because the travel route, we're not, I don't like, I also don't like the term post-COVID either, but you know, or post-pandemic, but travel restrictions were looser and it was just going to be a lot of people influxing into Dallas. So this was going to be, boy, Big Gay Brunch was definitely getting the atten the big time attention, you know, because it was this, this massive part of the overall collective and that international flair, like you said, with Pippinel, Escarlata, Shea Purser, and just Carlos Roma, all like everyone you mentioned just coming in. That, that was special because it's, it keeps it that it's not just a North American event, you know, that it's that queer history and that queer and gay wrestling history. It's not just an American thing. That's all over the world. And it show, and somebody like Pimpinel S. Carlotta, I love that because that was shocking to me. I was like, oh, oh wow, that, that's, that's, that's an originate, originator. That's just, uh, it, it kind of shows that, you know, if people, when people are like, hey, wrestling is super gay now. It's like, are you kidding me? It's always been super gay. It's just always <laughs> has been. No matter what form of it, it's just always super gay. And and everything that was going on in Texas, I don't think we have to mention because I'm pretty sure it just with everything that's going on in Texas, it was so important to have that visibility this year. So that's why I was just incredibly excited for it, just because it's it's it was falling right around Trans Day of Visibility. 
And it was very, it's just an important event. And um, I was really, I guess I do have to say the match I was really most looking forward to was definitely Dark Shake versus Paro because that's been a story that was being told. So, but that was, that was the one I was looking forward to. I mean, I don't blame you. I, anytime you get Sheik and, and Paro into the ring together, like that's going to be a really interesting pairing. I, I thought that that match was was going to potentially be a show stealer. I was really, really looking forward to, uh, to Billy and Keita just because like that just, it seems like, something a little bit different than what we've seen Billy in, in terms of the big gay brunch environment, you know, like the first one, he was in that just raucous eight person tag uh, that really devolved into just a hardcore, like hard hitting sort of thing. And then of course, last year, who can forget last year at the big gay brunch down in Tampa, him and AJ gray in the pup collar match. That was a, that was a moment uh, in time that I think really is immortalized for queer pro wrestling, honestly. And not only that, it was the moment that really kept Billy in this business altogether. So without that match last year, we don't have Billy Dixon this year. Um, and then uh, and then obviously the, the straight bill saga at Big Gay Brunch Chicago. Like you have all these different like things there, but we've never seen like Billy in, in the, uh, just more of a straight up like wrestling presentation on the show. And that's what you got with him and Kita on the show. And it didn't disappoint for me. I was, I really, really enjoyed that one as well. And then of course, Edith and Max, I feel like that was a clash that's been uh, waiting to happen for a while. Um, and it's just, it's just this idea of this clashing of styles. I think it's the same thing you get with when you put Dark Sheik and Pero together, whenever you put Billy and Kita together, whenever you put, Pimpinella and Effie together, even though their styles do have a lot of similarities and a lot of lead over, but it's just like these combinations that you don't see on other shows that you get on the big gay brunch. <laughs> and that's, yeah, exactly what makes those cards fun. And I was like, I guess it's like looking at the card this year was, it was just, um, God, it was just, it was just, a mo I guess Effie's big gay brunch this year. Every single time I saw another ma a match announcement from Effie, it's just like, wow, that is just, especially like you said, yeah, when it was Edith Surreal, you know, <laughs> versus Maxi Impeller. And I liked that match because it was just a hard hitting match. That was one where, especially it was the second match of the night and, you know, and, and, and second match of the day. Cause I mean, I always say night because you never <laughs> expect to watch wrestling earlier, but it was just the second match of the uh, brunch. And wow, it was just, um, it is a real, like I, it was kind of almost surprising power from her. It's like, you know, just blow for blow, like locking it up with Maxie and Paler. And, you know, I even liked the ending with it too, with uh, even Max getting the count out victory. And I also like the fact that it was just a match that kind of furthermore set the tone for the rest of the brunch that we were going to see, because it was where the first match with uh, Romo versus Vidal, it was, that was kind of a technical ground and pound kind of match. And I'm just all here for that. I love that style. And then all of a sudden, Edith Surreal and Maxine and Paler come out here and are just, just pounding each other and just literally just saying, all right, this is what it's going to be. And it's like, this is not, this is definitely going to be, you know, it's going to be a fun show. But here, there's going to be some wrestlers who is always, always going to say, it's like, hey, we're going to bring the violence. That's just the way it is. It's like, we're going to bring that violence in the ring. Oh, and Edith and Max, that delivered on that. No, it definitely did. It definitely did. Well, let's let's jump back to that first match and, and kind of run through the card here a little bit because obviously we opened up with Carlos Romo against Jay Vidal. Uh, Jay, you know, I think won a lot of hearts and minds at the Big Gay Brunch in Chicago, as well as through his work with at, with LA Fights and a number of other places on the West Coast and beyond. Now, um, going up against Carlos Romo, fighting out of Spain, 
uh, his big gay brunch debut. Someone who I'm very happy to see starting to get uh, more American tours um, under his belt now that the travel restrictions have lifted a bit. Um, I really, really enjoyed this match like you did. I, I am all here for some um, very like technical focused wrestling. Uh, here and there, along with some some really good high flying at times too, and Romo and Vidal just kind of cater to each other's styles very very well. Um, obviously, Vidal gets the win with Power Bottom Bomb, which I still maintain is one of the best names for a finisher <laughs> in all of pro wrestling. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, the match itself like was really really good, and and honestly, Romo. You know, he didn't have as many matches as Speedball did, but Romo had a had a really good showing this weekend too, and this was a, a major part of it for me. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Like Carlos Romo's, like I think this was the like. Unfortunately, I have a lot of other wrestling to catch up catch up on, so I have to go catch up with all the other Carlos Romo matches. And honestly, this is one of these wrestlers and. I guess the greatest thing, it's like, there's just so many independent wrestlers out there. I love it when I can find someone that I haven't really found before. And when I was looking up the F, the brunch card, looking up Kyle Romo and finding some of those matches, I'm like, that's going to be an amazing addition to this card. And I, Vidal, I've already seen them wrestle. And you're, you're right. The, the, the power bottom, you know, that's just probably one of the best names for a finisher ever. And, you know, I really enjoyed this match. It's like, I, I guess it's, it was a great way to kick it off. It was showing that here's the technical wrestling and, you know, it's just, uh, there was going to be a lot of other matches to come that were a little bit more, you know, just funny and just a good time. But here, this is a real wrestling match. And Roman Vidal, it's like, you know, it pretty much to me exemplifies the best professional wrestling has to offer today. And I will actually say this is probably one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend, too. Not just a big gay brunch, but over the weekend. Mm. So, and I just, I, I just, I love technical matches and I love strong style and it's, I always like the fantasy book in my head of like who these people would match up best against. And I'm looking at high Vidal and I'm just like, man, somewhere down the line, you know, I'd love to see him and Ace Austin mix it up or something like that. Ooh, that would be really good. Just, I'd I be into that, that. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was a great way to kick it off. It got the crowd really hot. Oh, for sure. I mean, the GCW crowd loves David. Like they have fallen in love w- with him over the course of the last like six months or so, six to eight months. And you know, for good reason, I feel like you cannot watch uh, him wrestle and not even whenever he is playing like the most like dastardly, catty, sassy, gay heel that you can think of, uh, like I've seen him do. He still like wins you over and you you're still find yourself in dear damn so much. <laughs> it's that natural charisma. It's like, you know, sometimes when you're good at what you do, it doesn't matter if you're a face heel or a tween or whatever you are. It's like people are just going to love you exactly exactly no and i would suggest anybody that wants more carlos romo go seek out his matches with daniel Makabe. those are some technical classics in my mind um just outstanding stuff um and of course that's going to take us to max and edith you know we've already talked a bit about like how violent this match got from the very beginning like edith not not holding back (laughs) just immediately jumping into forearms and elbows and trying to do anything to kind of throw Max off of their, uh, off of, off of their kilter a bit. Um, but yeah, like I haven't seen a match this um, violent with Edie in a while. I wanted to say like, go maybe going back to the match that she had with Effie at, uh, it was like a camp. I can't remember the name of the show, but it was like, it was a camp leapfrogs like Valentine's show. 
where like she and Effie had like this wild street fight that was like really really fun. Uh, I got a lot of illusions back to that in this one. Yeah, I, I guess it's the, you said it right off the bat. It's like the Edith, like you know, just just took it to took to Maxie and Paler very quick and. I don't know, Edith, she seems they were fired up this weekend. And I guess I'd love to see that. You know, they're just been sharing their journey on Twitter and just where they're going. And, and you could tell that this weekend just meant something special to them because they were up and down all over the place, you know, wrestling all kinds of matches. And just like what, less than eight hours before they were at spring break too. That same night, you know, and Maxie and Paler, they were all over the place. And, you know, it, was, it really shocked me because I was expecting some more like Edith Surreal was just going to get some more technical high-flying offense in there, but no, she just went right to Maxie and Paler and equaled Max's game, you know, and Max's, their game is very much power and just, just absolute destruction. That is what they have done. And, you know, in the end, it's like, you know, that's a bit of what happening, but this was, like I, like I said it before, this was a great tone shift from the first match to where you had that technical, the crowd got hot. And this one, it's just, it's, wow, the crowd was definitely like the, didn't get bloody, but the bloodlust of the crowd, it was still family friendly, but you know, this was what, once again, another highlight, you know, just of the entire card. There wasn't a lot of low spots on this card. <laughs> no, 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 there weren't. Um, I, I really like the finish too. And you alluded to it a little bit earlier. I like the count out finish because one, it leaves things very open for these two to clash again, um, which I definitely want that to happen. Um, but also like, I don't know. It, it's just, a, it's just different. And and it and it's, it was done in a way that actually worked, as because I know a lot of times you know in the current wrestling landscape, count out finishes, DQ finishes, those sort of things are like supremely overdone. Um, but they're done so in a way that you know isn't really in, in service of the story that's being told, um, in a way. And I feel like this one actually worked because you know. We're sitting here like Edie is going up against this like ultimate challenge in Max, and like obviously like that is going to take a toll on your body. I mean, getting thrown out of the ring through a door on the floor is going to take a toll on anybody's body. Um, and it just gives to me it just speaks to a story of Edie like going back, getting getting stronger, summoning a new strength, and coming back and and finally like trying to topple Eel, uh, topple topple Max. Sorry. Had Eel O'Neill on the brain for a second. Topple Max um, in the end. <laughs> and I, yeah, I really hope this is not the end of this feud. And I think it's, you know, it's with Edith. Um, yeah, it's like Maxine Paler. They definitely got the victory, but it was a count out victory. That's one of those that helps protect Edith a little bit with that. And it's like, and it sets it up for possibly something where I think, you know, coming up somewhere down the line, who knows? Hopefully the West Coast can get this one. Who knows? But either way, it'll be a great match. And I think it'll be a no count out match. It's like, in that way, it's just, almost what where this feud I think is going is something a little bit more hard, a little bit more hardcore, you know, and eventually hopefully a victory for Edith surreal. I love Maxie Impaler, but you know, I want to see Edith surreal get that victory over Max. <laughs> I just, for damn sure. Yes. Yes, for sure. I just love that. We're kind of transitioning now with like the past couple of shows with the big game brunch to um, uh, more like long form storytelling stuff there. Like obviously with a new sort of idea or brand like this, like the, you, your first couple of events are going to be establishing what you're getting on these shows and really just showcasing a lot of talents. But whether it be the things that we've seen with Effie and Pero that have run through a number of these events or, you know, the, 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 the definite long form storytelling when it came to, to Billy and AJ uh, back in Tampa, um, 
you know, we're seeing more and more um, of these sort of stories getting set up uh, and played through the various big gay brunch events. And I hope that that this signals that ED and Max is going to be one that's going to continue uh, and we're going to see a, a good payoff down the line. Very much agreed. It's like you said, we don't we don't know what's going to pop up around Vegas, so who knows? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's also it's just it's just refreshing. You don't always get that with independent wrestling. That's probably like, you know, I don't I hate I I pause to call it a, a full critique because like just the nature of independent wrestling doesn't always lend itself to that sort of thing. But um, more and more, I feel like people are figuring out ways to do it and and do it really well. Uh, and I'm just glad to see that this show that is focused on, you know, our community in the way that it is, isn't just being put out there as a show for our community, but a show that will tell our stories and will and will highlight our characters as well. Very, very much agreed. And it's just, it's one of those things that's very important. And yeah, and you're right, it's that it wasn't just like, you know, a blow off show where none of the storylines or anything mattered. There was just a lot of payoff to storylines and a lot of new stories that have just started here. And Edith and Max, hopefully that's one of those stories. I really want to see more of this. Likewise. No, for sure. Um, Well, we can move straight into the next match, which, you know, we opened this by talking about the international flavor that this, that this show had. That's why we had to have an international scramble. Uh, We have seven seven wrestlers here, including uh, a surprise in the whisper. I did not know that 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 uh, that he was going to be on this show, which is always nice to see the whisper show up. Uh, Shea Purser. Uh, we had Killian McMurphy, of course, Killian with with his best friend Big Dust, uh, Jordan Blade, Silvio Milano, Rico Gonzalez, who has been a breath of fresh air in the Southeast scene. Um, over the, the course of the last few months. And of course, we saved the best for last, Kid Bandit. <laughs> I know you got some feelings, so let them out. Tell me, tell me what, how you were thinking uh, coming out of this match. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I always, you know, I'm, I'm becoming a fan of scramble matches and like six person matches, like anything like this, because it's just, it's always going to be fun. It's always going to be something fast. And this definitely just one of those things that delivered again. You know, um, there was a spot that I, I really love. Rico Gonzalez is just so fast. There was a spot where they pretty much, you know, went from the top rope and got onto, onto the post to do the off the top post. And that just impressed me. It's just the speed and agility with which that was done. Just very cat-like reflexes, just right, just right on top of there. And it's just, my eyes popped open when I saw that. I'm like, well, you know, that's, I've seen things like that before, but I've rarely seen that done with that kind of agility. You know, I, I like the fact that, you know, Shea Purser finally did get in there. That was really fun. Jordan Blade, I guess that's, if I am going to just say the standout of that match, Jordan Blade, she looked unstoppable in this match. It's like she was just powerful. Every time I turned around, she was there just putting it to one of the competitors. And, you know, it was fun. You know, everyone kind of had the chance to get their stuff. And like you said, the whisper showed up and that was very fun. The whisper (laughs) showed up because I was not expecting that at all. But it's just like the crowd went quiet. It was like, oh, yes, here we go. And yeah, there it is. It's like I and I have I have to say if if, if the feel good moment of the match was, wow, they summoned Kid Bandit 
Mm. And uh, wow, I don't, it's, it's, it's somebody who I just couldn't believe it. Somebody who was kid banded, they are over. They were over with that crowd. It's like if I had to talk about pops and people, when Ken Bannon started hitting all their stuff and just doing the kicks and all the anime kicks, that was just, and the crowd was just loving every second. And they were just ready. They were ready for Kid Bandit to get that victory. And it was just, but it was just one of those beautiful stories that was told into the ring. And even though it's like Kid Bandit didn't uh, come out the victor, you know, it's like, I think everybody wanted Kid Bandit to win, but it's like, you know, Kid Bandit came out looking like a damn superstar in that match. They are over. They are a made person in wrestling after this weekend. I mean. No, I completely agree. Like Kid Bandit, I feel like obviously like less than a year in has already built such a following and such a presence in the pro wrestling world. Uh, and this really just continued to add to that, you know, what, uh, especially considering that they wrestled for, the, I think I want to say this is the first time that they wrestled presenting them. Um, which was an amazing thing to see. One, because that dress adds so much to those to those spin kicks. My God, uh, for one. And two, it's just it speaks to the larger story of Kid Bandit that we've seen play out over the course of these like seven, eight months since since she debuted um, in, in in pro wrestling. It's just it's been amazing to see not just the rise in popularity, but how bandit has used their platform throughout all of that to be so open with fans to be so open with other um queer people that you know we can th that they can you know talk about this on the on a whim coming out to their family and have hundreds of people swarm in support and offering like care and, and offering them like hey, yo if you need anything if this goes bad like we've got you it's just amazing to see that community that's built up there through bandits on just just bandits online presence alone and then to see all the people that that said that they started that they came out based off of bandits openness and and the words that bandit shares with people um not even like looking at what they do in the ring either just i don't know it's been one of the feel-good stories of this year for for pro wrestling to see and i'm glad that bandit got this spot on this show uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's um, just like, you know, being on Twitter and social media and just in following um, Kid Bandit's her her coming out story is. Oh God, sorry. It's just I'm trying to find the words and not like cry and just like be professional and stuff because it's. Yeah, emotion. It, it's, it, it's 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 beautiful and it's just I don't like it's just, it's just Kid Bandit. She gives me hope for the next generation of just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'll admit it, it's like, I'm 43 going on 44. I am not young, but when I, when I, when I look at the younger generations of LGBTQ and, you know, I know Kid Bennett there and the, the, she's in their twenties, but oh, wow. What she did over the past few months has just taken a lot of courage and to do, and just to throw yourself out there, especially on social media, which is one of the, like sometimes can be one of the worst places on earth and to be able just to, fight all of that and through all that and be positive and just say this is my journey and this is what i'm going to do i'm going to transition but at the same time i'm going to be a professional fucking wrestler that's like you know how many people can say they do things like that to become a professional wrestler is like and actually do those things that takes guts that takes courage that takes hard work all the dedication and kid bandit this was her weekend it's like i guess it's like if i had to pick 
the superstar of Effie's Big Gay Brunch, who is over, who is a made person after this kid fucking bandit. And that's what I can say all over the country. You need to summon some kid bandit to your shows. That way Hell they can yes. get, that, that way they continue getting this ring work in. And ev- with every match, they're just going to get better with that experience. You know, and in a few years, they're going to be on a whatever stage they want to be on. They're going to write their uh, she's going to write her own ticket all over professional wrestling. And it was beautiful. And I'll admit, it's like, I'm jealous of that dress because it's like, damn, I am just too big to fit into something like that. <laughs> he is a fucking adorable. So we'll just say that. I'm sorry. I know it's like, don't objectify, but she is. She's adorable. Oh, it's, it's respect. It's a, it's a respectful thing, you know? I say it very <laughs> respectfully. I don't need like, you know, I don't need like her auntie. I don't need like Mama Nyla, Mama Kel, and Auntie Buff or Uncle Buff, you know, Auntie Uncle Buff to come after me, you know, because she's been, you know, Kid Bandit's been all sorts of adopted. and Exactly. Don't forget Mama Sunny either. Ma- Mama Sunny too. Yes, those are all like, you know, I don't want Sunny Kiss coming after me. She's a tough bitch. It's like, that's just the way it is. It's like, mm, I would mm. not mess with Sunny. They have... She has conditioning. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, uh, outside of Kid Bandit, though, I feel like Jordan Blade obviously stood out. Everybody in this match really had moments to stand out. You know, Killian just there's something about Killian trying to get a USA chant started and getting booed out of the building that just <laughs> made my heart swell. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> it's it's the little things. <laughs> And it's just, I, I guess that was hilarious because just the fact it's like, just the all knowing of like, wrong crowd, dude. Just like, it's like, that's not, not that, it, that's not it. It's just like, you know, why don't you take your Cody neck, ta- neck tattoo and get the hell out of here, you know? <laughs> that's my second, that's my second one. Really, so, but I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's almost like that chant. It's like, it, it reminded me of a chant, like, you know, when, what is it like you know with like chris jericho would be facing lance storm or something and their usa chant breaks out and it's like they're both from canada like what's wrong with you like you know or just something ridiculous like that like when they're chanting usa it's like well one of these and neither of them is from america first of all and it's i don't know it's just, i guess the usa chant i love it so much but it's, it's it makes me laugh and this is going to sound really bad but it's like I, I used to love watching hacksaw jim duggan matches and it's, it's like his whole character was kind of, I don't want to say simpleton, but it's just like, you know, almost like, oh, America, USA. And that's all he said. And people were like, yeah, USA. I'm like, but he's kind of mocking you in a way. It's just, it's <laughs> just like, I, I do like how that's all come back around. And it's just, oh, yeah, sorry, the USA chance. I love it when that just gets like heat. Like, you know what? Piss off, bootlicker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, like I feel like there were like a lot of those kind of little moments here and there. Like I love Silvio Milano getting like the opportunity to have the stage as well. Like you know because Silvio Milano, I I feel like you know people that aren't aren't paying attention to to Australia right now. Like one, they don't know how big Silvio Milano is. That dude is tall as fuck <laughs> and has a big boot to fucking die for. Um, and then. I would say the other one that stands out to me is Shea Purser. Um, I could just sit and listen to like an hour long recording of him yelling at people to enter his guard while just laying on the floor, like spread Eagle like that. It's just, I don't, it's just, it's just all these little bits and pieces that work together. And you have these, these infusions of character along with physicality that makes pro wrestling work. 
Yeah, and it was, you know, international scramble. It's once again, it's, it's, it was a very well organized match. You know, I always love when you, you can tell that everyone who was working in the match gets along, respects each other, and, and was very able to put together a match where everybody looked good in that match. And that's one of those rarities. It's like, you know, when a match that has like five or more participants, when everybody gets their shit in and everybody looks good too. And everyone looked good here. And it's just, it's one of those things is there's probably a whole lot of people in that crowd who are not familiar with some of the wrestlers, you know? And it's, once again, I had to do my research and try to find out what they were coming from. But now there are people who are going to go home and, and check out these wrestlers and hopefully demand. It's like, hey, we want them booked over here in North America. Hell yeah. I want to see more, you know, like a Shea Purser. That's definitely, I think you said that one too, but that is somebody I want to see way more of over here. And now I do hope it's like, you know, that we're, whatever travel restrictions loosened that it's like that that does happen yeah and i also another shout out to shave this is the first match that he's wrestled in like two years um which is just wild one like good on him for finding like he's gotten really big on twitch um and like he's been able to find like other other ways of, of kind of exploring character beyond pro wrestling in a way but i have to imagine it was probably felt really really good for him to get back into a ring for the first time in a while Everything was just like over it that was a sh- across the pond was just pretty much shut down still, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, for a long time. Oh, that must have been. I couldn't even imagine like be living over. It's like you know, I know it's like everyone had to do what they do for quarantine, but it's like you know, being in in England, it's like you know, and all wrestling was shut down. It's like yeah, there was like a bunch of wrestling feds like doing things in front of empty crowds, and we had the empty arena era. But it's like oh, having no wrestling whatsoever would have been just torturous during those quarantine months <laughs> no i completely agree like but i'm you, sorry go ahead yeah and it's just you know but coming back yeah and getting i think um the commentary team like you know they did mention the yeah, his first match in two years and uh, you can just tell the excitement in someone's face it's like you know that's just when they are truly passionate but about the business and they just want to make sure that they put on the best damn show possible and that was accomplished it definitely was definitely was i'm very glad to see jordan get the win here Building off of uh, the match that she had with Pero at Big Game Brunch in Chicago, uh, Jordan Blade is ripe for a, for a breakout 2022. Uh, and I'm just going to take this opportunity, since we're talking about Jordan Blade, put Jordan Blade in Bloodsport, damn it. Ooh. I know she wants it. She's been clamoring for it. She wants that spot. Somebody like, give her that spot. Now I'm, now I'm fantasy booking who could she wrestle at Bloodsport. I know I couldn't even think because there's just so many, but it's just like, who would I want to see? Hmm. You know, I could see her and Lindsay Snow being a really good match. I could see her renew the rivalry with Janai Kai, put them two together in Bloodsport again. Uh, her and Masha could be a good Bloodsport match. Actually, I was going to say, I think with Masha Slamovich, I think you hit that one on that, hit that one on the head right there. That's what I would love to see. Yeah, but Jordan Blade, it's like, you know, just another wrestler. It's like over the past few months, I've gotten myself familiar with, and this, this was an important victory for them. This is something that will actually just help build that momentum for 2022. And especially, you know, being being the one who got that pinfall victory. And I know everyone's heart was with Kid Bandit, but, you know, hey, next year. It's like, you know, Kid Bandit, we will definitely see her next year at Big Gay Brunch. I'm just, I really, really hope so. And next year, I think they're gonna, Kid Bandit will get their victory. But it, wasn't, it was, wasn't in the cards this year. Jordan Blade is just too much of a... She's too much of a bad bitch that day. Too much of a badass. You know, <laughs> she was, she was that, she was that one. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, speaking of uh, 
bad bitches, though. Let's talk about Keita and Billy Dixon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was a good match, but it kind of breaks my heart a little. How so? Oh, because Keita Murray's, you know, they're representing, they're representing the West Coast, you know, just in, wow, that just, uh, what a dirty victory. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It was just, uh, for the win that way, especially with Billy Dixon. I was like, it broke my heart. I was like, oh, you know, Jersey Championship Wrestling, East Coast. It's like, if someone out on the West Coast, it's like, I can't condone that. But at the same time, go West Coast, best coast, go Keita Murray, but. Um, th- this is a no, this was a good match. Like once again, like of all the matches on the card, this is very much um, reminded me of Edith for the Maxi Impaler. And this was a nice variation of the card. We went from, you know, High Vidal and uh, Carlos Romo, like a technical match, a hard hitting match, the seven way scramble, which was another technical match with all the fun spots into something Murray versus Dixon, which was just this one brought the violence. As soon as this started, they're just dropping clubbing blows. I'm like, fight, fight, fight fight it's like you know just wanted to see more for this and it, it was to me is one of those matches that this feud is not over it's like there's no way shape or form it's like unfortunately the west coast we probably have a little bit of karma coming for this one you know at the same time i could understand it's like you know billy dixon you know they come out and get their revenge i i could totally understand i see where they're coming from there but um just another fun match and just once again another great tone shift of something that was just of way, the way this card was booked, of that you're just kind of getting something for everyone on this card. For you know, every single wrestling fan, anything that you're going to like, you know, be it comedy, be it the, the hard-hitting violence, the technical wrestling, it was all here. No, it definitely was. And, uh, I was, like I said, I was looking forward to this match uh, a lot because like both of these, both of these uh, wrestlers have been, you know, just breaking out having outstanding years you know Kita with all the the championship wins on the west coast out here and the performances at la fights his he has risen his stock so high over the course of the last year and billy you know like there's a reason why i ranked him number one on the qwi like there, like i think billy shows that every time he goes out there i saw kevin from pwi the editor over there was talking about how like Billy Dixon is, is basically like this a like new version of Dusty Rhodes in a way like that he's that kind of baby face um which you know plays out in a lot of Billy's matches really like he he just has this never say die attitude to him uh that and he will like go down with two birds up uh if you have to take him down uh and that really played out in this match because like you said Kita had to resort to using a chair to, to weaken the leg to get the submission out of that. And even then, Billy was holding on for as much as he could um, to, to try and keep this match going. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I There was a bit of personal flattery in this match for me because the QWI did factor in so much to it in, in a way. Um, it's wild to me to see that start to happen, honestly. Um, because, like, you know, having Keita go out there and constantly, even after the match on social media, talking about like, you know, he's he deserves the number one spot on that list. Like he deserves that more than Billy. I I really like how that is incorporated into the story. And like you said, this isn't the last time these two are going to meet. I'm fairly certain that Keita is booked for Pro Wrestling Vibe uh, Pride and Vibe weekend in June, which of course that's Billy's company. Um, and I remember if I'm don't. If I recall correctly, Billy is actually making his West Coast debut sometime in the near future. 
So this definitely is not the end of this at all. Mm. Now it's like, you know, hearing that Billy Dixon, you know, West, Ca- West Coast debut, I'm like, it's like, okay, where is this happening? Because where do I have to drive to see this? <laughs> I know it's, it's one of those things, I guess, as I see all the wrestlers, like when they go to Dallas, they're just like, they're all on the East Coast. It's like, but you know, you need to come out here because I want to see you, you know, just it's almost where I wish I had all the money just to like give with these indie wrestling fans. It's like, here, pay them. It's like, here, come on, bring them out here so we can see them. Diana wants to see these people wrestle and say great things about them. No, it's, um, yeah, I do believe, like, yeah, with, uh, uh, basically, uh, Yakita being booked at Private and Vibe, and Billy Dixon scheduled to be somewhere on the West Coast sometime this year, very, very soon, that this is definitely a feud that's going to continue, and I think this is going to, oh, probably going to culminate in something really special. I mean, this was just, this match right here, like I said, it's like, wow, this just kind of seemed like a little bit of an appetizer, you know, that it's like them wanting that number one ranking, that actually does mean something, and I love that that does get incorporated in the storylines and i wish that would more it's like that's an important thing it's like where did you get ranked it's like where are you that's like that's literally a sense of pride literally a sense of pride and i just would love to see if it could go a little bit further with that direction as well down the road yeah i mean that's i don't want to get too much into like talking about the list but like that's one of the reasons why the list like is is ranked the way that it is now i i I want it to kind of give that sort of motivation factor there and also like if, if it gets incorporated in the story is cool like that's that's cool to be too but i i putting that aside because i don't want I, I hate talking about myself um <laughs> like kita and, and billy uh nailed it with with this one and made me want more made both of us want more and that's really all that you could ask for from from a match like this uh and i'm sure we're gonna get another payoff same way that we talked about with max and Edie. we're gonna get a payoff somewhere down the line here someday Somewhere it's going to happen. All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning into LGBT in the ring. Uh, We'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service Uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. But 
we can talk about another multi-person match. We had the tag team mayhem match, which is kind of structured a little bit like the clusterfuck, a tiny bit. I mean, you had people entering at random intervals, uh, and it, it was like I don't know. It was it was a fun, interesting way to kind of build it to like not have pinfalls or, or submissions count until everybody was in the match. But um, obviously, four great tag teams here. We had MSP making their big gay brunch debut, Aiden Agro and Danger Kid um, against AC Mac, the IWTV World Champion, IC Mac, uh, AC Mac, and Ashton Starr. Uh, Petty and Pink, Dylan McQueen, and Kinsey Page, uh, two of the faces of New South Pro Wrestling down in Alabama. And uh, the team of Devon Monroe, Black Excellence himself. And Ace Perry replacing Brooke Valentine uh, on this card. Um, I'm curious to get your take uh, on this one because, like, I I, I want to know, like, you know, I know that you know a lot about like the the West Coast and everything, but what did you? How did you take in this match for yourself? Uh, well, you know, Dylan Mc, Dylan McQueen and Kinsey Page. Like, I know Kinsey Page is someone I'm familiar with, but Petty and Pink that was like my first kind of. Um, real introduction to them and it's like I, I gotta say it's like I loved it when they came I don't know if it was I have to say that their gear was heart foundation inspired a little bit just where so, so like that I'm always kind of a sucker for that I'm like all right so if you're gonna do some heart foundation and more specifically Bret Hart it's like you got this girl's heart and they looked really in sync I mean of course they were the ones who ended up getting the pin and winning the match and they were just super impressive it's like this looked like a tag team that has I want to see more of it's like, and it's more is where I want to go. I just want to see intergender wrestling up and down every single card, every single fed. And so I think that was a future tag team. Um, you know, and uh, MSP, it's like, I got to say, Aiden Agro, Danger Kid, these are not wrestlers that I was too familiar with until like very, very recently. So after this weekend, I just went out and did my research and just looked at them more. And just like, these are wrestlers that I just want to see more of. And this was a very interesting match type. Um, I'm definitely familiar with AC Mack and Ashton Starr. It's like, you know, and I will say that Ashton Starr had the best ring gear of the night. That was, that, that, that was just, you know, and, and that was probably my favorite entrance. It's like, this is a team that seemed pretty familiar with each other to begin with. And AC Mack has hot mic skills and that's the stuff that I liked. And it was just a fast start to this match. And it was everything that was expected. And what made it interesting, like you said, it was the fact that, you know, no eliminations or submissions, no pinfalls could happen until all four teams were in there. And it kind of made sure that all four teams would just get all of their heat and get all of their stuff in and make sure that they, they got over the best they could. So. Yeah. And I think it, that that was accomplished really for everybody there, you know, MSP, like this being their, their first time at the big gate brunch, obviously like it's their first time really being at a big gate brunch because they, they both literally came out like less than a year ago. Um, and to, to see them on that stage was really beautiful to see, to, to kind of be featured more on these shows that are celebrating the community. I know this isn't the first one they've done. I think they were on, they were on New, uh, No Peace Underground's uh, Fear the Gay Agenda show last year in a, a no ring death match. But um, more and more to see them like being embraced by the community uh, and, and celebrated as part of the community it was really awesome to see ace perry i have to give a real quick shout out because they stepping up last minute to team with devon in that match both of them you know just midwest master classes the, the two of them like both of them are so young and so good 
already. Um, both have bright futures. AC and Ashton, what else can you say about AC Mack and Ashton Starr, honestly? Like, they are both, like, staples at this point. There's a reason why AC Mack has that, that world title. There's a reason why AC Mack has that place in history now. Um, and I, I'm totally with you on Ashton's gear as well. I, I, I like the, the Starfire as well as the Alicia Fox kind of blending of, of, the, of the elements there that we got with that. Uh, and yeah, Dylan and Kinsey are Dylan and Kinsey are just so good together. Um, they're they're really good opponents as well, which you know is always the kind of calling card of a really good tag team. But them together just has a different kind of energy to it. And all four of these teams really got a chance to show what what they are capable of here. Um, even if you know Kinsey Page had to resort to <laughs> just going low on Ashton to, to secure a win. Sometimes like, you know, you just, things happen, you know, it's just, it's <laughs> like, you know, there's just, uh, it's just, just right there. It's like the low blows, low blows part of wrestling. So it's just like, yeah, it's just what happens. Um, I guess like my takeaway from the match is uh, MSP and, you know, their debut, it's just really excited to see more of them as a tag team. And I was kind of thinking, you know, they would match up well with Ashton Star and AC Mack and like a, Say like just the two of those teams together by themselves, and it's and I can only hope that it's like a, not in the hope, but I'm pretty sure I'm absolutely sure that MSP is probably going to get more bookings as a tag team all over. Where, um, where did you say they were from? I actually said they were MSP. Oh, oh MSP, they're from Maine, they're so from they Maine. Re- yeah, they learn they wrestle a lot with Limitless and uh, some of the other companies around there, chaotic, you know, some of the New England companies. Well, they, they really wrestle all over, all over the place, but their their home base is Limitless for the most part. Well, that's great. Like I said, you know, that coming all the way from Maine all the way to Dallas, that is definitely a trek. And so that opens up a whole nother audience for them. And I think that's what big gay brunch. It's like, you know, for a lot of wrestlers who just like, this is our first big gay brunch, I guess an MSP, like they don't have a lot of time in the business. That's so that's kind of an introduction to a lot of people. And that's truly great. It's just the thing. It's like, you know, and that means it's like, Hey, they're up there in Maine, you know, killing it, you know, and now they're going to get around the country a little bit more and just get introduced to a whole new audience. And Pretty much, I'm pretty sure we'll talk about it at the end, but what it means for the future of Big Gay Brunch of all, seeing all this <laughs> incredible young talent on the card, too. Oh, for sure. And and while we're talking about MSB, I have to give uh, a quick uh, congratulations, not, well, not congratulations, a quick shout out, rather, to them, because uh, on the No Peace show at Murder Mania uh, down in Dallas, uh, Danger Kid choked out Keto with a non-binary flag, and that's just fucking metal as shit. Um, and I, I just have to say that. I just have to... I, that moment is just there, and I had to talk about it real quick. <laughs> I'll give you that one. That's like, you know, metal and punk as fuck. That's both. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about punk as fuck, let's get to Dark Sheik. Dark Sheik and Pero. Mm. You want to talk about violence? <laughs> yes. <laughs> talk to me about violence, Diana. This one... You know, Dark Sheik has been all like before Effie's Gay Brunch was all over the place, literally wrestled less than eight hours before and went a very long distance in that clusterfuck battle royal. I mean, I don't even know how long Dark Sheik was in there, but she was in there quite a bit. And Pero showed up in that clusterfuck as well after wrestling pretty much a death match against Taya Valkyrie the same night. So these two, 
I don't know. I'd almost think that I was expecting them to be halfway gassed when they came out there. It's like, how are they doing this? It's like, it was hard enough for me sitting on my butt and only getting six hours of sleep. It's like, how are these two doing this? But you know, when you're motivated just to fight each other, it's like, that's what you could tell when these two came out to the ring, you know, dark chic, you know, she's with the agenda. Now she came out with Pollo Del Mar. So I had to just had to go with Pollo Del Mar, loving her Dallas cheerleader inspired ring gear and loving the fact that she made it there in the first place, you know, because everyone was having travel issues, but Poyo made it. And, you know, just so first right off the bat, Dark Sheik and Pero, it's like I, I had my MVPs at the weekend, but my honorable mentions were Dark Sheik and especially Pero because those two worked their asses off this weekend. So many matches. Uh, Pero, he's taken a beating this weekend, and Dark Sheik just has that in, in, endurance. And I will say one of the things that I really enjoyed was uh, there was a door. They were, there was about four or five times they tried, tried to put someone through the door and it just didn't break. So it's very much that door is invincible. And, <laughs> and, I, and I guess the reason why I guess I commented about this on Twitter that what I truly loved about the match, and then this is where it's like, okay, I'm just going to say this flat out. Was it the best wrestled match on the card? No. But was the story well told? Yes. And it's like, when you look at ring psychology and what a, what a match has to do, to tell you a story and just take you on that journey. And like, you know, I'm looking at the time right now, that match went 12 minutes and I had to look that up because in my mind, I'm like, that seems like it went on for 20 minutes just because of not that I felt that it was long. It's just because there was so much stuff packed into it. You know, just the prior history with Pero and Dark Sheik, you know, they've been feuding on social media because that's just what you have to do. Been running in on each other. And last night, Effie's Big Gay Brunch was kind of the culmination of that feud. And of course it ended with like, you know, the perfect thing about it was Effie running in with a <laughs> quick count, getting rid of Paro. And that was like, you know, it's just that culmination of long-term booking, long-term storytelling. And it's, and it's where I guess it's just what I said is like wrestling is, it's an art. Like any, any kind of media you consume, it's an art. It's written down. It tells a story. You know, I know, I think we're past the era. We are past the era. It's like, Hey, you know, people know that wrestling is is what it is but it's like it still takes athleticism and it still takes a hell of a lot of production and passion just to get it and this match hit it for me on all the elements it's like dark cheek and pero told me a story in those 10 minutes everything there were stakes in this match and i could feel it and uh, i was really happy with the outcome even though Poyo, it's like her booty is probably not too happy with it but that's okay it's like it took the brunt of it but it's just where the very much at the end of it Dark Sheik with the victory because Effie with the quick count. You know, I don't know what's going to happen between Effie and Pero, but Dark Sheik was definitely the face here and got that ultimate face victory. The crowd loved it. And Pero, congratulations to him because, like I said, one of my MVPs of the weekend. And he just was the perfect fucking bad guy for this match. The perfect heel. The crowd just was all over him. And it wasn't that, like, you know, go away heat. It was total that absolute fuck you heat. And that's where I just, I just absolutely loved about this match because it was just what the people wanted to see. No, exactly. I mean, there's a reason why Pero is like the monster of the big gay brunch universe. You know, like very rarely does anyone get anything over on him. He is just out there murdering fools left and right. And we saw that again with this match here, you know, Dark Sheik just getting throttled, you know, especially after um, Poyo and the referee took that tumble into the door, which by the way, Poyo, hope you're okay. Love you, friend of the show. But, um, <laughs> but you know, like it was just, it just, like you said, like it created these, these moments in the story 
where like you you already people already love Dark Sheik, and that love manifests itself in wanting to see her like survive and and topple this this behemoth uh, of a man in Pero. Um, to the point that like people are yelling for a referee to get out there, and Pero feeds into it. They say, I'm gonna fucking kill her if you don't. <laughs> you like <laughs> that's all. That's what I'm saying about that perfect bad guy. It's like, yeah, you better get a ref out here to stop this because I'm gonna murder this fool right now. <laughs> and then to have that subverted with Effie running out with a rainbow GCW officials shirt and oh. counting that fast count and just getting another one over on Pero in the eternal feud between these two men. I I don't know if you if you've seen the the last Daddy Standing match from Fear the Gay Agenda last year, but like that match felt like a blow off to that feud. But it just kept going. Like they are going to fight, like literally fight forever. It's a it's a joke at this point, but they are literally going to fight forever. I have no idea where this is going to go, but wherever it does go is going to be violent. I guess it's like some feuds, just no matter what, even if a feud cools off, it always heats back up. And that's what I I guess the ebb and flow of professional wrestling that I love. It's just, you know, oh God, it's like it's just where people eventually are gonna be like, I'm tired of seeing Effie wrestle para. I was like, what are you joking? That's gonna be fun every time, even though we've already seen it. It's like years ago when like this is gonna sound ridiculous comparison. John Cena was feuding with Randy Orton like almost a decade. I don't even know, but people the fans were just like, Oh, I hate this so much. I'm like, Yeah, these two have feuded many times before, but we're gonna get some good damn matches and fun out of this. And we did. And it's just kind of like with Effie and Pero, it's like, who knows where this is gonna lead to? If it's gonna lead to more matches, if it just kind of cools off for a little bit, but you know, somewhere down the line, this shit's gonna continue. Oh, yeah. And, but but Effie will be fine. <laughs> Always. Always. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, like this was this was a spectacle, and it was exactly what it needed to be. It was just top-notch stuff from both Sheik and Pero there. Um that well, actually, you know what? I, I mentioned spectacle. You want to talk about a fucking spectacle? Let's talk about Alley Catch and Dango. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're excited. Please go. I'm. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna mute my mic real quick and let you do oh, your thing. I know. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm now. I feel like I'm just talking. Oh no, no 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 no! Talk. I want you Al- to share. <laughs> Alley Catch. Uh, her her entrance was just iconic. It was just, and once again, you talk about people who like, you know, she just, just had her weekend was, uh, it was incredible. I mean, like they had a match against Nikki fucking James and that whole feud was played out and so brilliant to the fact where it was just aping, you know, just the old Mickey James Trish Stratus feud. And it ended in a spot that I'm pretty sure we've all seen what happened between Ali Catch and Mickey James of them grabbing each other. And I'm like, that's <laughs> incredible. That's something for me for the ages, because, you know, I'm expecting things like that from Ali Catch because they're just fucking magnificent fucking magnificent but seeing that from mickey james i was like man it's like you know mickey james just over the past year has just been another one all over the place and has really just been kind of lifting up a lot of independent talent too she really has been doing a lot of good but alley catch here versus dirty dango this was my shocker match as in dirty dangos on the card <laughs> right on it's like i fucking love fandango dirty dango i love this guy this is for years, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, where he was before where he was employed before they undervalued this guy, you know, it's like, and it's, I just, we know where he was at before. And it's like, and I, I truly believe the reason why he always got buried and put in these really bad gimmicks that he always excelled at was because he got over in spite of Vince trying to bury him. 
And that's always something where it's, you're going to get on Vince's bad side when you get over, despite him trying to bury you. And, you know, Fondango, no matter what he did, he always connected with the audience where he worked before, you know, him and Tyler Breeze was one of the best things in WWE over the past decade. It was just hilarious watching these segments and watching the way Fondango, Dirty Dongo, just committed to this, committed to professional wrestling, committed to the crowd and just seeing him come out and, you know, he actually placed second place in my best gear of the weekend because those ring tights, I don't even know what was going on with them, but it looks like you just went to the chess king and got yourself some tights, Dirty Dango. That's some good stuff. And, and you know, and, I, and I'll say it, Dirty Dango, Fandango, um, I don't know. It's like he said something impossible about retiring from professional wrestling. And if that's true, he's a damn legend. He just is. It's like, you know, what he did in a decade in wrestling, just whatever. It's just, it's just incredible. I, hopefully that's not true. And he's just playing us. It's like, you know, but please come back to wrestling and come back to get big gay brunch. It's like, you know, I, now I, oh, what a fun match. It was as a, actually once again, a tone shift because after the violence and just hardcore, that was um, dark shake and Pero here we had something that, well, you know, it was wrestling, but this was more of a comedy match. And that's okay because it's like, you know, it's like it had its spots, but it still had things that I loved about it. It was basically the lap dance. This is where I just lost it. Everything about that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Just subverted my expectations. And it just got better when, you know, Ali flipped it around and just completely did the same thing to him. Um, God, it was just, it was just so much fun. And it's everything that I love about gay brunch. And it's everything I love about queer wrestling. You know, I don't, Dirty Dango, I don't know if he's like, I don't know if he's cis, I just don't know if he's straight or whatever, but whatever, it's just for him showing up at Big Gay Brunch was so fun because it's just the acknowledgement that it's like, hey, Fandango and that character, you had a lot of gay fans. It's like, you probably, you just did. So it's like, it's realizing that, hey, this is, this is an app, hopefully an ally and a safe person coming to the show. And this was a moment for him. And, I'm, and, and I was just really happy that he glad that he got to have this moment. And the crowd was just so happy doing the he had a really good weekend the night before he got to dance with summer ray and that was really special and Mm. this was just a special fun match you know dirty dango just playing playing the kind of the dastardly heel once again and alley catch just being an absolute legend it's it's just kind of alley catch. It's like, I've said, where the hell is she going to be next year? As in, it's like, you know, there's no, I don't see any real ceiling for alley catch and where she's going to go. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's still so much growth there for, for Allie, you know, even as good as she is already, you know, like it's, it's really only an upward trajectory for her, um, especially coming off of this weekend. Like you said, the Mickey match was amazing in terms of a lot of, not just the, the, the chemistry between the two of them, but also a lot of the callbacks and working in a lot of that old school uh, Mickey and Trish feud elements there. Um, and I will say this, you know, for a mini weekend that did not have a gray sweatpants battle royal to really kind of channel and centralize all of the like sexual energy that comes with pro wrestling into one specific spot, Dango and Ali stepped up and took that, took that mantle for this match. Um, <laughs> like it was just, it was just all over the place. Uh, and you know, a really good mix of fun and hard hitting stuff here and there. Awesome to see Allie get the win as well. Um, and just keep propelling her forward. 
and speaking of, of Dango, like it was really cool to see him in this in the spot as well. Like like you said, you know, talking about the how his fan base like definitely included a large number of gay and, and LGBTQ people um, because of what the gimmick was and, and what the character was, you know, not just in like the original Fandango iteration either. Like, I mean, let's talk about the fashion police. Like, come on. Like, and, and in that way, it also felt like that character was coded a certain way um, to, to kind of like reflect a little bit of that community too. So it, it was awesome to see that Dango fully embrace that in a way by being, by participating on this card. Um, and, you know, just being so like open to exploring all these different facets of pro wrestling, which I know that are, are open to him that he understands, but, you know, didn't necessarily always get to explore whenever he was employed at WWE. So I don't know. It was, it was a really fun match. It was a really interesting, like, turn of pace from Dark Sheik and Pero and, and it, but it, it worked. And that's, that's what was really beautiful to me is that like, you can have that tone shift so fast and have it still work really, really well. Uh, yeah, it's very much, you know, it's like when you have that tone shift, it's where it's like, there's always that perpetual argument between is it professional wrestling or is it sports entertainment? And it's like, well, if you truly watch like any really wrestling show or just wrestling program, whatever, it's like, there's always the mix of both. There truly is. And, you know, not taking anything away from Dango and Catch, I thought it was a very fun match in a lot of good spots. But, you know, that was very much a sport that was just solid sports entertainment. That's one of those ones that I just would just sit down and have like that. That was absolutely hilarious and, and just fun. The audience gets to get involved. And it's just, once again, it was just one of those nice plat palate cleansers. And it's just, this is where it's like the booking of Effie's Big Gay Brunch was what truly impressed me because it's where they had a great variation throughout the card of matches. And it literally gave the audience a time to catch their breath between matches as well. No, I mean, and that's something that I think, you know, in talking about and covering every Big Gay Brunch to date, like that's something that is present on all of the shows as well. Like it, it is very much uh, the, the old adage of the variety show. You know, there's something there for everyone that has a distinct taste in this. And if you're into all of it, guess what? You got like two and a half hours where you were like enjoying every single thing on the card. So yeah, like it, it's, it's really the, the epitome of, of pro wrestling, uh, what, a, what a pro wrestling presentation should be in that way. Um, but speaking of like that, that sort of dichotomy that you spoke of, Effie and Pimpinella Escarlata. This match felt more like a celebration of Pimpinella than anything, which honestly, that's all it really needed to be. Um, because let's face it, uh, Pimpy is a legend. Pimpy, like, Pimpy and, and Cassandro, I think, are the two that really laid uh, the foundation for what we now see in terms of the attitude and the empowerment of the LGBTQ pro wrestling movement that we've seen over the course of the last like five or so years, you know, with so many people feeling comfortable and empowered to, to come out and to have these pride themed shows pop up and to have, you know, queer people, not just want to wrestle, but also want to create these shows and put on these events and, and create that authenticity in the presentation of pro wrestling for the community they belong to. 
it really boils down to like 30, 35 years ago with Pimpinela Escarlata along and, and, and Cassandro like down in Mexico as like some of the, um, not the original Exoticos, but like some of the more um, trailblazing Exoticos and facing the challenges that they faced, facing the violence that they faced just for simply like living outwardly as themselves, you know, which obviously hasn't gone away. We're talking about Texas, you know, that's still definitely there, but it speaks to a mindset that we see credited a lot when talking about people like Evie, like Billy Dixon, like MV Young, like Dark Sheik, that are very much wanting to build pro wrestling to a space for their communities, for all communities. Um, and as Effie said back uh, at the initial announcement of the Big Game Brunch in Tampa in 2020, um, he wasn't afraid to, to take a homophobe, out, a homophobe out in the street. You know, like it speaks to that mindset and all of that bores out of the determination and the spirit of Pimpinella Escarlata. So having her in this match against Effie, um, really the match itself and what it was was all you needed. It literally just felt like a moment to like take a spotlight and put it on Pimpinella, have her come out and do all of her classic spots, all the classic Exotico spots. I howled whenever she started getting the Beso chant going in that in that room. Uh, it was just, I don't know, it, it was heartwarming and touching and speaks to a legacy that a lot of people that are becoming more knowledgeable about queer identities in pro wrestling maybe don't know about and need to go back and do the required reading to understand in yeah exactly it's um you know Pippinella Escarlata is like you know you mentioned like doing doing that at a time when 30 35 years ago down in Mexico just where anywhere in the world like you know 30 35 years ago you know you're talking about that's like the mid 80s you know early 80s mid 80s and well I don't know it's like you know I don't I was only a kid during that time but it's like you know the world it's like I remember wasn't you know definitely wasn't kind towards LGBTQ folks and the attitudes with, you know, the AIDS crisis going on around the world were just very much negative and not very good. And it it was somebody like Pimpinel Escarlata just to face that kind of adversity. It's like, I think about something like that. And I was like, I never could, I never could do something like that. It's like, you know, not only is it brave and it takes courage, but it's like, you just got to be a real, you know, a tough motherfucker to deal with something like that. Because literally there will be people who want to kill you. You know, and that's just the reality of the world. So this being that celebration, yes, I, I love that so much. It was just when it's just very much when I say wrestling has always been gay and queer and just it, it, it always, this is the proof of that. You know, it just, it's like, this is what we're celebrating right now. We're celebrating this person, this individual who meant so much to gay wrestling and queer wrestling and with the Exoticos. And it was doing it pretty much just way before everybody else when the world was less kind. Here is your victory lap almost here is just the admiration you know you already get all that love to begin with but here it is you Pimpinella you helped create this it's like you know if it wasn't for you none of these people probably wouldn't be in the ring it's like you know just making that place safer and she got to come in there just do all of her spots and you know for Effie it's just like wow it's just like I know Effie probably he probably has a lot of bucket list items you know I don't know I think everyone has that stupid bucket list thing but you know, fucking Effie got the face, you know, it's like when he was announced versus Minoru Suzuki, I was like, well, shit, that's incredible. What else can Effie do? And it's like, then when the main event for Effie's big gay brunch was announced, it was like, are you, are you kidding? 
And, and it does, it's like, and it leads a lot of younger generations to go back and take a look at this wrestling. And that's a rough thing to do because it's like, I've been watching wrestling for a long time. I was been a fan since the little kid rock and wrestling era. So that means I grew up like saying, hey brother and doing all that stupid shit, you know, just, and stuff like that. But I don't say, hey brother anymore. Now it's like, that doesn't work for me brother and make fun of Hogan. But I grew up on that. But what I take away from it, it's like, you know, when I look at the rock and wrestling era and when I tell people to go revisit it, it's like, you know, unfortunately, you got Hogan and some really problematic gimmicks there because it was during that weird gimmick era and everybody just played their nationality or race and it's not good. But there's a lot of fun stuff there. And what you can take away from like rock and wrestling and what was going at the time, it's like Cindy Lauper was involved in rock and wrestling. And you want to talk about icons. And then it's just, it was felt like the Pimpinel Escarlata that was just kind of the same type of thing just that celebration and where younger fans can go back and rediscover her and the exoticos and everything that they were doing and and laying that groundwork for why we were here and it's just uh, it was a culmination like i said it was just a an unbelievably perfect way to end in the <laughs> in the entire big, big gay brunch and i can just say that it's like i can say this weekend it's like i saw effie you know biting speedballs you know <laughs> toes and then i got to see pimpinella biting effie's butt and it's just like you know i know they're wrestling moves and it's supposed to hurt but i'm watching this like you know hey don't torture don't, like i'm over here like don't torture a girl with a possible good time you know because <laughs> i saw a whole bunch of nipple biting butt biting and foot biting it's like you know i know tarantino would have loved the foot biting but you Oh, of course. And, and, and this was good. It, it was the fact that Pimpinella actually, you know, got the roll up for the win on that one, too. That's just just the, all the much more important and what it meant and uh, what a fun match. And boy, you, you always talk about sending the crowd home happy. It's like no matter what, it's like even if you if the show wasn't that great, you got to try to send the crowd home happy. And this was through all the matches of the card. The crowd was just hot for it. It ran for two and a half hours. And that's just the perfect time. And th this was a great way to end it. So. Yeah, I mean, this was the, in my mind, it was the only way to end it, you know, to have to have this moment there. Effie finally got his kiss um, as well, and, you know, to get Pimpy on, on the mic. And I, I'm very curious to see, like, after they cut the cameras, how long Pimpinella, like, stayed in the ring, just riling up the crowd and, like, and just getting in, just enjoying that moment, really. Um, you know, because, like, like, let's be real, like, Pimpinella is still a very active down in, in Mexico, like very active, uh, especially in, in AAA. So like, it's not like Pimpy's being like pulled off the shelf after like, you know, being out of the ring for a while, like they are still going strong 35 years later. And, but so at the same time, like, I don't think that they've ever really had a moment like this where the community is celebrating her. And, you know, Cassandra got that moment on the first Big Gay Brunch, you know, in that match with Sudden Kiss. Um, and it's only fair that, you know, we honor all of the, the Exoticos that really paid that trail. So I was really happy to see that that Pimpy got that spot. And, and honestly, it seemed like that was really, uh, like you said, that, did, that really did seem like a bucket listing for Effie. Um, like he seemed, when I, I spoke to him like a couple of weeks before the show, obviously he was on the podcast, but he seemed genuinely excited. <laughs> to get the chance to get into the ring with Pimpinella Escalada. So I am happy that Effie is living his best life too. Yeah, exactly. And it was just uh, like the culmination of 
just a perfect show. It's like, you know, I kind of like when I got done with Big Gay Brunch, it was like a like almost noon out here in the West Coast. And I'm like, oh, wow. All right. Well, I'm going to need to. I was actually planning to watch another show, but I'm like, you know what? I need a break. It's just like that was a lot. I got I was emotionally invested throughout the entire card. And it's where pretty much all the wrestling I watched this weekend, I was just invested in it all. And I, and that's where it's just, I guess, like Effie and Pippinell, Escarlata, the entire damn card. Wow, just it didn't blow out all my energy because I still had pretty to give, but I was just like, you know, it just means a lot. The whole show just means a lot to me. Yeah, no, I can definitely understand understand that. Like if you, I, I too kind of had to take a moment because I, I found myself just kind of like standing up in my living room, like just kind of like mindlessly just like looking around, like not really knowing what to do with myself because like there was such a, like emotional height watching that show and it's just like okay i need to find something to do with this energy now <laughs> no it was a it was like you know it was a fun show like like the big gay brunches always are um and you know worthy of the name i would say uh i don't know any uh any final thoughts on on the big gay brunch or any final takeaways for you diana this is um well, it's like it's proven that wrestling is for everyone you know it's just it's it very much is it this um wrestling needs to be uh, i have a lot of thoughts on it it's just because when i was like you know i, I always make the joke because it's like i try to think i'm a comedian too actually i am a comedian i do i do have bookings in oregon coming up so there i'm gonna pit myself there a little bit i'm getting paid to be a comedian now nice but one of, one of my jokes is that it's like you know for the longest time i was much more ashamed to be a wrestling fan than i was queer because you know it's just it was like oh you like wrestling it's like yes i do i like wrestling what the hell's wrong with it and i remember at a time when it wasn't cool i was like always a wrestling fan when it wasn't cool but at the same time, you know, you never saw, I never, you know, when I was younger, I didn't see a lot of positive representation. It's like for years when people were talking about representation, it's like, what about gold dust? I'm like, that doesn't count. You know, it's like, I enjoy gold dust, but it's like, that's not, that's not okay. It's like, that's none of that was right, you know? And, and for years, like a lot of wrestlers had to live in, in the closet because of just the backstage culture and just the toxic toxicity that, you know, pervade uh, professional wrestling and the discourse around it too and i see all of that changing right in front of me you know i see it even on the discourse like a lot of the nastier people on the iwc they don't get to have that space anymore they get shut down instantly because people just aren't having it the same thing with like any kind of like homophobia transphobia racism any of that it's just no we're not having that anymore the wrestling fan base isn't having it and I guess it comes from the fact that a lot of the, the fan base is just, it's, it's younger and they came into wrestling a little bit attitude error or after. So they've been cleansed of a lot of those things, you know, and a lot of the toxic traits and uh, trying to be long-winded and just get around to it. But it's just where Effie putting on these shows and everyone that's involved, it means it's important to the community. Um, and, I, and I really hope it's like one of the things that I have done, it's like there's a lot of, you know, LGBTQ queer people, rad, radical punks that I know who just never would give professional wrestling a second thought. And it's mostly because, well, it's transphobic, homophobic, and it's all these things. I'm like, yeah, you know, when you get a sample of some of the things you've seen from the attitude era and stuff like that, absolutely that is correct. And it's these things. But then, then I can show then I can show them Effie. I can show them the big gay brunch. I can show them enjoy wrestling. And then I can go down the rabbit hole of every single out LGBTQ wrestler, commentator, and everyone that's out there and what they're doing to change this business. 
And um, Effie's Big Gay Dallas was probably the biggest one yet. And next year it's in Los Angeles. And I don't know what it's going to be next year, but it's like, this is going to be an event that's going to get more important every year to what it means for the LGBTQ wrestling fan base and, and our, and, and our allies, you know, to say our well-meaning allies too, but especially for us, you know, LGBTQ folks of what this means to us being fans. Like this is our safe space. It's like, you know, and people like, Oh, safe spaces. Like, no, everyone needs safe spaces. They need to have somewhere where they go where they, when they're not afraid of this, you know, whether it's basically, you know, just don't want to make any other jokes about it, you know, but it's just because I want to keep it serious. And I'm sorry if I'm just kind of ranting and being on a soapbox, but there's been a lot of times that I've been down and I know people say, don't like, you know, make wrestling just a part of your personality. It's like, I have a lot of facets to myself, but there's a lot of times that I can say professional wrestling saved my life as a fan, because it's like, I wanted to see where a certain storyline was going. And now that I see LGBTQ wrestlers out there, I am way more invested because it's like, they're out there telling their stories. They're out there being fucking fearless. I see dark chic out here on the West coast. Someone I've met a few times kicking ass all over the fucking place. And it makes me proud being a trans woman, seeing someone like Dark Sheik just being her best damn authentic self, Poyo Damar being fabulous, Effie being one of the baddest motherfuckers in professional wrestling. I see all of this. I see Pero. I see every single person who was on that Effie's Big Gay Brunch card. I see Kid Bandit being themselves. And I say, thank you. You have given me hope for the future in this bleak world and all the darkest timeline shit that we got going on in 2022. I can say wrestling is super fucking gay. Effie is fine. And that our continued existence is an act of resistance. I'm off my soapbox now. Sorry. You know what? I can't follow that. I can't. Follow I'm so that. sorry. No, no, no. You never apologize for that. That was a fucking manifesto. And I am fucking here for it. All right. That was awesome. Like literally, like I second everything you just said. And that's the entire point of why we continue to have events like this, like what we have with Pro Wrestling 5 and Enjoy and, and all these other companies that are, that are you know, are embracing our, our community and embracing queer identities on their shows and embracing, um, you know, the trans community on their shows. Like this is, this is what this movement is about. It's about keeping these things going. So yes, 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 all yes. On, on what you said, Diana. And I think that is honestly the perfect place to leave this conversation uh, until we get the next big gay brunch because, you know, more than like, uh, we know we're getting one in LA. We might be getting something a little sooner than that. Who knows? We'll see. But for now, Dallas, they definitely made it gayer. <laughs> so much gayer. Um, and I will once again also shout out Effie for using this event to raise funds for the Transgender Education Network of Texas to help support trans youth there in that state as they endure everything that is happening down there um, from the, the state government. So always, always want to support that. Continue to do these sort of things. Pro wrestling is a wonderful way to get these messages out and to build support and to financially support uh, these communities that desperately need it whenever their their states and their communities around them are turning on them in this way. So all in all, Big Gay Brunch Dallas knocked it out of the park. Outstanding stuff. Diana, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting about this event with me. Let everybody know where they can find you online. You can find me online at Twitch, Divine Diana Ramsey. Let me make sure I have that right. Because, okay, I'd be very, I have only started my Twitch account as of a month and a half ago because I've been 
I was for the longest time I just stayed away from social media, but I'm kind of back there and having a real positive experience. So I am at Divine Di Ramsey, D I V I N E D I R A M S E Y, Divine Diana Ramsey on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Diana. Thank you for having me. This has been an unbelievable pleasure. Thank you so much. My thanks once again to Diana for uh, taking the time coming on the show and chatting all about at these big gay brunch. Uh, another stellar entry in the series, uh, a series that I'm sure will continue as we move forward with more collective uh, weekends and more pro wrestling festivals. Uh, just once again, all around outstanding show and one that continues to raise the bar for what the big gay brunch brings us. Um, you know, and also I will say this, uh, Kita, as I said on Twitter, point taken. Don't worry. I, I pay attention to these things, <laughs> but regardless, thank you so much for, for tuning in. Make sure to check out WrestleMania night one, our podcast talking about that show, uh, with Patches chance that's up right now tomorrow night number two of WrestleMania with Darnell Mitchell and GCW for the culture with my fiance KC will go live as well as the top 25 LGBTQ matches from WrestleMania week. That's going to go up on Outsports as well tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled, keep your ears open and make sure that you are tuning in to LGBT in the ring uh, because we have a, a good amount more left for you this week uh, as we kind of, continue the come down off of the wrestlemania week high that we all all thoroughly enjoyed um, that's going to do it for us uh today or this episode i i still need, i need to find a good way to say to end the show without saying next week whenever we have multiple episodes on a on a week regardless stream of consciousness <laughs> um that being said we will see you for the next episode obviously. Uh, but until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted, if at all possible. And enter my guard. Everybody's ready to die. Bye! They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the demon so a lover could live. The moon is out